Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Today on Vitality Radio, part two of First Do No Harm. We're going to talk about antidepressants. We're going to talk about the uh, myth of the serotonin theory. And we're going to talk about things that you can do that really work, that have excellent clinical benefit, that are harmless that can help you with your depression. That's all ahead on Vitality Radio. Thank you for joining me. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this is the Vitality Radio show and the Vitality Radio podcast. I am so excited for this episode. I had to postpone it a little bit for a few reasons. I had a couple of really important interviews that I wanted to get out there, and I also wanted to spend a little bit longer uh, researching a couple of areas, but we did this first episode, episode 172, if you want to go back to the podcast, part one of this uh, topic, which is first do no harm, the truth uh, about antidepressants. In that, I discuss a lot about the serotonin theory and how it has been largely disproven and how uh, antidepressants are actually far less beneficial than maybe many people think. But I didn't want to leave you hanging too long, and uh, I did a little bit. It's been about a month since I released that episode. There are a lot of things that you can do to answer the call that your body is making when you feel depressed, and we're going to talk about all of that today. I'm going to start right here with something from the awarenessact.com, and it says here that research weighs in on the dangerous side effects of antidepressants that nobody talks about. This is by Harley Manson, and it was just released a couple months ago, September 20th of 21. Uh, Prozac, Zoloft, Paxil, Lovox, Celexa, and Lexapro are the most commonly prescribed antidepressants, and they fall into a class known as Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitors, or SSRIs. Roughly 11% of the American population takes an antidepressant, according to the American National, or sorry, the National Center for Health Statistics. And while much controversy surrounds the risks of taking these medications, some risks cannot be ignored or even debated as they are very real. One comprehensive study published in the British Medical Journal recently found that pharmaceutical companies were withholding many risks associated with taking their medications from the Food and Drug Administration and European Medicines Agency. During their investigation, they examined documents from 70 double-blind placebo-controlled trials of two common types of antidepressants, known as SSRIs and norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, SNRIs. Based on their findings, rather than decreasing the risk of suicidality, the antidepressants were increasing suicidal thoughts and aggressive behaviors in children and adolescents. So I want to repeat that. That's important. Based on their findings, rather than decreasing the risk of suicidality, the antidepressants were increasing suicidal thoughts and aggressive behaviors in children and adolescents. Before that study, another one was carried out and published in the Journal of Clinical Epidemiology. It revealed that a third of meta-analyses of antidepressant studies were written by employees of pharmaceutical companies and were 22 times less likely to include the negative impacts of the drug. 
And there are others like this that were found to not only hide the side effects, but also exaggerate efficacy. So I want to make sure it's clear here. This first study that was published in the British Medical Journal was not just a study. It was a meta-analysis of 70 different double-blind studies. So, you know, any one study can almost say anything that the study authors want it to say within reason. Things can be tweaked and manipulated, and it happens a lot, which is some of my concern with these mandates that are coming through and what the studies are saying versus what they're saying that they're saying. But that's a different topic for a different day. As far as antidepressants go, we have 70 double-blind studies that were put together to give us a large number of participants in the placebo group and a large number in the medicated group. And their finding was very simple, that antidepressants did not reduce but increased the risk of suicidality, suicidal thoughts, and aggressive behaviors in children and adolescents. And then they found that other meta-analyses that were written were mostly written by, well, a third of those were written by employees of pharmaceutical companies and were 22 times less likely to include the negative impacts of the drug than the meta-analyses that were written not by the pharmaceutical companies. Imagine that. And not only did they hide the side effects, but they exaggerated the efficacy as well. Shocking. Big pharma just seems to not always tell the truth, right? No Boy Scouts in that group. Uh, Joanna Moncrief, a psychiatrist and researcher at the University of College London, stated, This study confirms that the full degree of harm of antidepressants is not reported. They are not reported to the published in the published literature. We know that, and it appears that they are not properly reported in clinical study reports that go to the regulators and form the basis of decisions about licensing. Now, on the last episode, episode 172 of the Vitality Radio podcast, I talk about how they get these things licensed, even though the efficacy stinks, basically. And it's pretty eye-opening, and it should be eye-opening to you, especially in light of what's going on today in our nation when it comes to medical mandates. So once again, we find that pharmaceutical companies are lying to us. They're lying to doctors and they're lying in their advertising, and they're lying to regulators that regulate their products. And of course, we know that the former FDA head, Scott Gottlieb, is now on the board at Pfizer. And we have this revolving door from FDA to drug companies and drug companies to FDA. And it's no wonder the whole thing is an absolute mess. So we'll talk a little bit about that and, in fact, go into detail because I want to illustrate for you just how much these companies have actually paid to the government in fines for breaking the law. And they keep doing it because they literally have a fund at these companies to pay for fines that they know will come from the way that they do their business. They have a slush fund specifically to pay government fines, knowing that they're breaking the law and that they will get caught in some instances. And that cost is just passed on to you in the cost of the product. So it's just part of what they do. It's part of their business model. Now, of course, they can't be sued for vaccine injury. They can only be sued for other pharmaceuticals, medical devices, things like that. They are held without liability for vaccine injury. 
which is a whole another story also for another day, which reminds me that I did a story. Uh, Dr. Paul Thomas, who is a pediatrician and an absolute wonderful human being, came on and spent almost 90 minutes with me uh, yesterday, two days ago, I guess it was. And that show is being edited right now, and it will be the episode right after this one. So it'll be episode um, 181, and it's only going to be a podcast, but you're going to want to hear what he has to say. It's fascinating, fascinating stuff, and he talks a lot about the controversy with the COVID vaccines. He talks a lot about the controversy with other vaccines. He talks about his research in his own practice with 10,000 patients and what he's found, and it's fascinating stuff. Okay, so I've got more here on this antidepressant thing, but I have to remind you that Vitality Radio is brought to you by Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful. If you have questions about anything you hear on the show, you call us there, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. You can also go to vitalityradio.com if you want to listen to other episodes or any of your favorite podcast apps. And I will be soon starting to launch video In fact, the Dr. Thomas interview will probably be the first one, and it'll be on Rumble. Uh, If you're not familiar with Rumble, it's an alternative to YouTube. YouTube is uh, canceling and censoring so much of this information that I'm not even going to try to put it there, but I will put it on Rumble uh, hopefully in the next week as well as a video podcast, which will be my first one. So uh, pretty excited about that. But regardless, we'll get back to it here. We know... If you're paying any attention at all, you know that pharmaceutical companies are not fully honest in their dealings. And if you're paying a lot of attention, you know that they're more often dishonest than honest in the way their studies are written, the way they're carried out, the way that negative side effects are hidden, positive side effects are exaggerated, and so on. But sometimes it's so egregious that they actually get stopped. And that's what I want to talk about right now. They get caught, I guess is a better word, and then they get slapped on the wrist. And the slaps are pretty hefty sometimes, but by comparison to the money they're making on the drugs that they're getting slapped for, it's just a cost of doing business. So there's a website called Good Jobs First, and it's an interesting website because it's designed to help people figure out if they want to actually work for a company based on their record, at least it's nearly as I can tell, that's what they're doing. And they have what's called a violation tracker. And it's very, very interesting. Pfizer uh, is in the news a lot right now uh, with the new recommendation of uh, CDC that five to 11-year-olds can get the Pfizer vaccine uh, as well as the other COVID vaccines. Uh, So we'll talk about Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson here, but on the violation tracker, just to give you an idea of how much these people can be trusted, they have been fined. They have 71 different records of fines for violations, otherwise known as breaking the law or breaking the codes, of which almost $4 billion have to do with healthcare related offenses at Pfizer. They've been fined for a total since 2000. They've been fined for a total of $4.7 billion, just about. And $3.4 billion of that is healthcare-related. $104 million of that is safety-related offenses. 
$63 million for competition-related offensives, $4 million for environmental-related offenses, and $1 billion for government contracting-related offenses. So Pfizer's been fined $4.6 billion since 2000 for breaking the law in how they conduct their business. $4.6 billion. It's not a small sum. Johnson & Johnson, well, they haven't done better. They've actually done worse. They have less incidences, 59 versus 71, but $9.2 billion they've paid. $8.1 billion in healthcare-related offenses. And keep in mind, this is not lawsuits from, from users. These are fines for breaking the law. They also pay out billions of dollars in lawsuits. Johnson & Johnson, of course, has been hit really, really hard of late from consumer lawsuits. So these are just fines they're paying to the government. $8.1 billion for Johnson & Johnson for health care-related offensives since 2000. That's an astronomical number if you think about it. And yet, again, these drug companies literally have a slush fund designed specifically to pay for these types of things. So it's just part of doing business. Um, as I mentioned, we have some podcast-only episodes that we're doing now. Uh, I call them Too Hot for Radio. I did one with Dr. Peter McCullough. Episode 175 is Dr. Peter McCullough. And I just did one with Paul Thomas that will launch next Wednesday, which is episode 181. I strongly encourage that you listen to those two episodes. The information is vital. It really is, particularly when you're looking at what's going on with COVID right now. So that's the violation tracker for these guys. And we know between this episode, what I've talked about, and then talking about the theory of serotonin deficiency actually being the root cause of major depression disorder, that SSRIs are a pretty iffy recommendation, and yet they are the drug of choice for prescribers who have patients who they diagnose with depression. So the question is, if serotonin isn't the problem, or maybe it's only part of the problem and not all of the problem, there are certainly some researchers who believe that we control our serotonin levels largely by how we think, which would mean that it could be a cyclical thing if we're depressed and our depression produces less serotonin, that could be just a vicious cycle and serotonin increase would not solve the problem. It would solve the serotonin issue potentially, but not the depression issue. And if you want to understand what the actual numbers are on that, I don't want to reiterate them here because I have an episode that I dedicated to that. There's a ton of information. That was episode 172. That's the first episode of this. So maybe even go back and listen to that before you listen to this if you'd, if you'd like to do that. Okay, so what are the other things that control or that have an impact on mood that might be missing. Because one thing that we know for sure, 100%, is that we don't have a Prozac deficiency or a Zoloft deficiency, right? We may have a serotonin deficiency. That's possible. But the serotonin theory is hanging by a thread based on the research that's been done. There are a lot of psychologists, psychiatrists, and researchers that are saying, hey, we're approaching depression wrong, period. That seems to be the overwhelming view of the research that's being done right now, but it's not the overwhelming approach of modern medicine right now. 
So what might be deficient? If Prozac's not deficient, what could you be deficient in? Well, you could be deficient in magnesium. Magnesium, I talk about it a lot, and I apologize if you're tired of hearing it, but until everybody listening to me is taking magnesium, I guess I need to keep talking about it because it's that important. I take it every day in the form of magnesium 3 and 8. I'm an absolutely rabid fan of this stuff because magnesium is, is critical for 300-plus enzymatic processes in the body. It is critical for the relaxation of the central nervous system and the musculoskeletal system. It helps to relax the nerves. It helps to relax the muscles, the ligaments, tendons, all the connective tissue. It's critical in all those areas. And, of course, when we're under high stress, when we deal with anxiety, in many cases, we're also dealing with depression. So magnesium plays a major role. And we know that our ancestors, and I'm not talking thousands of years ago. I'm talking like 100 years ago. We're getting like 600 milligrams of magnesium per day, and we're getting on average about 250 in our diet. So maybe we're 350 milligrams deficient. There are researchers who believe that that is exactly the case that about 350 milligrams is the deficiency. And even our friends at the NIH, and by friends, I mean, yeah, <laughs> the National Institutes of Health, you know, the guys where Dr. Fauci uh, uh, works, they even say that we ought to be getting about 350 milligrams of magnesium. So that isn't even an alternative viewpoint. That's a medical viewpoint. But it also happens to be an alternative viewpoint, and 90-plus percent of us don't get enough. We don't get enough in our diet because our diet ain't what it used to be for a variety of reasons. So we've got to get our magnesium levels up, and the way to get our magnesium levels up, you can do it with food. It's not super easy to get enough in your food. The biggest source of magnesium I'm aware of are pumpkin seeds, and an ounce will give you about 168 milligrams. And that's great. If you want to eat a couple ounces of pumpkin seeds, you're getting pretty close to where you need to be, but you need to do that every single day. Cashews are pretty high in magnesium, walnuts, Brazil nuts, they're about 70 milligrams in an ounce. So you can do it with diet, but you've got to like nuts and seeds, or you can isolate it and take it in a supplement form. But the big thing about this, and it's really, 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 really important, I can't emphasize it enough is that magnesium has to be supplemented in the right form. Magnesium oxide, which is the most standard magnesium sold across the world in drugstores and supermarkets, big box stores, Costco's and Walmarts and all that. It's called magnesium oxide and magnesium oxide is raw magnesium and it's very inefficient to the point where on average you might absorb four to 5% of what you take. And in clinical trials, they've proven that it is so inefficient that when you take magnesium oxide, you actually become more deficient in magnesium because you're flushing out so much of the magnesium you already had in your system through the bowels because you can't absorb the magnesium that you're taking. So it's a net negative supplementing with that type of magnesium. So what are the forms that are best? In my view, magnesium glycinate is the most uh, middle ground of magnesium. It's high absorbing. It's economical. It's very, very effective. So for most people, magnesium glycinate, also known as magnesium bisglycinate, absolutely fantastic stuff. But for people who are concerned a little bit more about mental anxiety or mental wellness generally, 
prevention of Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, things like that, improvement in symptoms of um, you know, epilepsy and uh, tremors and those types of things. Then magnesium 3 and 8 probably makes the most sense. That's the form that I take. Magnesium 3 and 8 is really amazing because it has a very free ability to cross the blood-brain barrier and deposit magnesium into the cerebral spinal fluid. It's very, very efficient that way. As such, it is a fantastic resource for all things brain-related when it comes to magnesium. And so if mental stress, anxiety, depression, those types of things are happening for you, then magnesium 3 and 8 is probably the approach you'll want to take. So magnesium 3 and 8, magnesium glycinate, this is what I always tell everybody. This along with omega-3s are the two things that you really need to try before you resort to an antidepressant or any of the other options that you have because these are two things that the vast majority of Americans are deficient in. And if you replace them, you see marked improvement in most cases in depression, anxiety, stress response, sleep, all those types of things. They make a big difference. Now, in terms of deficiency numbers, most people are about three to 400 milligrams deficient in magnesium. So you're going to want to get about that amount if you're doing the magnesium glycinate. I am finding in terms of feedback at Vitality Nutrition, uh, where I actually sell these things and get to talk to customers one-on-one about what they're taking and how they're feeling, that the magnesium 3 and 8 maybe doesn't require quite as much, that you can get away with the 144 milligrams that is a standard dose of magnesium 3 and 8. But I do have some people that take a little more of the 3 and 8. I have some people that take a little more of the magnesium glycinate. And I have some people that even combine the two, which is fine. You just have to kind of experiment and see. But the beauty of magnesium is the very worst case scenario is a laxative effect if you get too much. So if that happens, you just back it off a little bit. But these forms don't tend to cause that in most people. They're much more bioavailable. And so they don't have that laxative effect that magnesium oxide does. So if you have more questions on magnesium, you can call us 801-292-6662. You can also go to Rumble, uh, rumble.com, which is, again, is an alternative website for videos. It's a YouTube for people that don't like censorship, basically. I have a a channel on there, but I haven't started populating it just yet. I will, like I said, with this uh, Dr. Thomas interview. But uh, I did speak at the Your Health Freedom Symposium, and they just put up my video last week. So if you go to Your Health Freedom on Rumble, you can actually find that video. And all I talk about for 20 minutes is magnesium and the critical nature of it. And we have some podcasts on magnesium as well that you can thumb back through. So how about omega-3s? Why does that matter? Well, omega-3 nourishes the brain uh, because it nourishes all the cells in the body, including the brain cells. But omega-3 plays a really unique role. One of the biggest factors is it helps the health and uh, permeability of the cell membrane itself. So allowing signals to get in in and out, uh, waste to get out, nutrients to get in, all that kind of stuff. Omega-3 plays a big role. In terms of the brain itself, we have neurons. Neurons send neurotransmitters back and forth, such as serotonin and melatonin and dopamine and things like that. And without enough omega-3, it is a much more challenging journey to get these neurotransmitters where they need to be. So it plays a big role. It also helps to reduce inflammation in the brain as well as other places. 
And what has been done with omega-3 and mental health is fascinating. There is a ton of research. I didn't prepare that for today's show simply because I don't have enough time, but I may have to dive back into that a little bit more. There is a show at the very beginning of Vitality Radio. Maybe it's episode 12, 15, somewhere in there. You could look for it. That is all about omega-3s, and I do discuss some detail there. But regardless, omega-3s are vital, and it's like magnesium, it's it's a dose-specific thing. You don't just take one fish oil capsule and assume you're getting enough, although that's what a lot of people do, unfortunately. The research on omega-3 is very clear. The benefits really start at about 1,800 milligrams, the best benefits. There is benefit with any omega-3. 300 milligrams is better than no milligrams, for sure. But a standard omega-3 capsule is exactly 300 milligrams. There's a product that uh, we have at Vitality. We just brought it in, and it's pretty cool. We, we sell a couple of omega-3s that I really, really like that are high potency. There's one by Nutrigold that I love. There's another one called Vital 5 Omega uh, that I love. I love it so much that I put my label on it. Both great omegas, but there's a new one that's actually pretty cool, and I'm excited about it because economically it's a little bit better value. It is, comes out of Canada and from a company called Natural Factors, and they test for 900 different, 900 <laughs> different possible toxins that could be in fish oil because the fish come from the ocean and the ocean's a bit of a dirty place nowadays. So they test more than anybody else by far. It's called RX Omega, and it does say one a day on the bottle, but in order to get to 1,800 milligrams, which again is where the kind of the rubber meets the road as far as the studies go. You'd need to take two of these a day, but these are enteric coated also. So they'll get all the way into the intestinal tract where they're absorbed more efficiently and they prevent any of the fish burps that you might be accustomed to if you've taken omega-3 in the past. And the cool thing is two of these is equal to six of a regular omega-3 and you have the purity and potency guaranteed. Really, really great stuff. And, and they're less than 20 bucks a month for a really, really great omega-3. So so that's an option for you if you want to get your omega-3s up. What I always recommend is make sure you've got enough magnesium and enough omega-3 and do that for at least 30 days. See how you feel and then you can decide, okay, you know, do I want to go beyond that or not? The next thing then would be probiotic imbalances. Now, I did two shows on something called psychobiotics. The psychobiotics episodes are recent. If you didn't hear them, I think they're really fascinating. They're episode 164 and 166. And the psychobiotic thing, is, it's still probiotics. They're calling them psychobiotics because they're specifically studying them when they come to mental health and how they work with mental health. And there's some phenomenal research coming out, but it is really, really new. And the challenge is that it's only been in the last six or seven years that anybody even thought probiotics had any play in the brain at all. But we know that the gut-brain axis, this communication that comes from gut to brain and brain to gut is real. And, and nowadays they're calling the gut the second brain. Some people are calling it the first brain, saying it's more important what's happening in the gut than what's happening in the brain when it comes to your mental health. So some pretty strong claims from some scientists out there doing this research. But probiotics play a major role. And I'm going to get into that in, in some detail uh, because I want to really hammer home the idea of how critical gut health is to brain health 
if you're dealing with depression. It's just such a big deal. But before I get into the probiotic thing, I want to talk about some lifestyle things because these are things that I can't sell you that you can do by yourself that you either already know how to do or can learn relatively easily that we absolutely know through clinical data and research reduce depression in a dramatic way. It's not small. And these things are as simple as can be. Now, one is not maybe as simple as it is or for everyone as it is for me, and that's sleep. Now, on the one hand, I sleep usually really, really well. I don't struggle with insomnia much. Although, interestingly enough, the last couple of years, I've I've had struggles with sleep more than I ever have before. So I'm unpacking that and trying to figure out what's going on there. But if you sleep okay, like I do, or even really well, like I usually do, and you don't allow yourself enough sleep, you're still not getting what you need. And that's my biggest problem, getting enough sleep. So Dr. Matthew Walker, who is a researcher who wrote a book called why we sleep. And I highly encourage this book to anybody. It's really, really great. He talks about the critical nature of sleep and why it matters in every facet of life, human performance, longevity, literally how many years you add to your life and mental health, depression, anxiety, and so on and so forth. Sleep is crucial. And in his view, and he studied all the studies, it's a minimum of seven hours for adults. And optimally, he still says eight hours for most people. So if you're not getting seven or eight hours and you're depressed, you're dealing with anxiety or frankly, any other mental health issue, don't think that your sleep is a small part of that. It's not. It is a major, major factor in your health and your mental health for sure. How about water? You know, the cells also have to be hydrated with water. And one of the major Factors in that is are the electrolyte minerals, sodium, potassium, we know about those, but magnesium is also an electrolyte and actually far more often deficient than sodium or potassium. So one of the reasons that I think magnesium works so well for people when it comes to mental health is because it helps to sort of complete the job of proper cellular hydration and yet magnesium without enough water can't do that. And frankly, magnesium doesn't work as well without enough water. So make sure you're getting a minimum of 50% of your body weight in ounces. And that is the minimum. That means if you weigh 200 pounds, it's 100 ounces of water. For some people, that sounds like a lot. And I guess I don't care what it sounds like. It just is what it is. (laughs) So you sort of have to do it anyway. And you want that water from a clean source. You don't want tap water. It's got all kinds of chemicals and chlorine and garbage in there. You want a good, clean, pure water. I use well water from the Centerville well, (laughs) which I absolutely love, but good purified water. You know, if you want to do an alkaline water or something like that, all that's great. But water is king. It makes a big, big difference. How about breathing? Now, we all breathe by default, right? But as we get older, we shallow breathe a lot. Uh, we kind of chest breathe instead of bringing it all the way down to the bottom of the lungs. And we mouth breathe a lot. A lot of us are mouth breathers. That's not good, right? 
instead of nose breathers. And it makes a difference. It's a big factor. Breath is life. Without it, we die. Much like water, without it, we die. These other deficiencies, technically, we can stay deficient and then we can live. We just don't live optimally. But without water, without sleep, without breath, we can't live at all, right? So these are big key things, but they seem insignificant, I think, a lot of times. We always are looking for maybe more of a quick fix when it could be staring us in the face when we wake up bleary-eyed after only giving ourselves five hours of sleep, looking in the mirror and wondering why we feel like garbage. So it's important. Breathing, this is what I suggest now, and, and I highly recommend it because it's incredibly effective for people. And I've talked to dozens of people who I've taught this to who say it has changed their life. And that is some basic breathing techniques. Now, there's a whole bunch of them. And we are doing, uh, Jen Robertson and myself, we're doing a uh, workshop where we're actually going to teach you practices, including breathing techniques, but many other practices as well, that will help you with anxiety and depression if you do them. These are proven things that we know work. And they include some breathing exercises. But one breathing exercise I love is the 478 technique. Now, if you just Google 478 breathing, you'll find it. You'll probably find Dr. Weil, W-E-I-L, on there teaching it. You can see some YouTube videos. But the 478 technique is easy. It's four seconds that you're breathing in through your nose, and then you're holding it for seven seconds. You're getting it all the way down to the depth of your lungs, and then you're releasing it for eight seconds very, very slowly, and most people release it through their mouth. That's a very effective technique. You can do that two or three times in the morning, two or three times at night, and frankly, any time that you're really stressed out. There's also one known as the physiological sigh, uh, which Dr. Andrew Huberman talks a lot about on the Huberman Lab, Huberman Lab podcast, which is brilliant, by the way, if you want more great information on this kind of stuff. So these breathing techniques can make a big difference. But how about exercise? Exercise is massive. And I am a big proponent of exercise, and I'm not that good at doing it consistently. And I know it's one of the biggest factors in health. And it's also one of the biggest challenges for some of us to just get out and do it. And oftentimes, exercise is, seems daunting. Uh, you know, I got to join a gym or a, a yoga studio or, you know, whatever. I got to buy some equipment. But the truth of the matter is that 200 minutes of walking every week, 200 minutes of walking every week, what is that? 200 minutes of walking. That's, uh, I didn't do the math before and I should be able to do it, but we're going to divide that by seven and that's 28 minutes a day. So a half hour of walking a day on average with people who were women who were depressed, uh, they had more energy, they socialized more, they felt better emotionally and weren't as limited by their depression when researchers followed up after three years. This was done on depressed middle-aged women in Australia. 150 minutes of mild to moderate intensity exercise did the same thing. So you could cut 50 minutes off of that by doing a little more intense exercise than walking. But just walking makes a substantial difference. It's not a small factor. So all of these things matter and they all help. Yoga is fantastic. Meditation, 
These are more challenging for a lot of people, including me. I'm not a natural yogi or meditator, but they're both very, very valuable. But another thing that is, it's a five-minute thing, is a five-minute journal that you put by the side of your bed and just write gratitudes for five minutes every night. And challenge yourself. Challenge yourself to write down things you don't normally write, you haven't written down before. So every night, and it doesn't need to be five minutes. I like five minutes because it gives you time to think. And write down a few things. You don't have to write down 50 things. Write down three or four or five things, whatever's comfortable for you that you're grateful for. But then you can also ex- kind of expand on why you're grateful for those things in five minutes. And I love that as a technique as well. So there are a lot of things that you can do that, again, I can't sell you. I can help you learn them. And we're happy to help you learn them because on December 1st, we're doing the Peaceful Harbor Workshop. We did one of these a year ago, and we're doing it again because it's just so needed. And uh, we're doing it in conjunction with Corbin's Academy. That's corbinsacademy.com, C-O-R-B-Y-N-S, academy.com. Corbin's Academy is, it's it's an awesome organization. It's run by Crystal Cordingly, who lost her beautiful boy when he was just 14 months old after having the flu shot. And she has decided to make it one of her big goals as a tribute to her son to uh, teach people and empower people through education about nutrition, how they can be healthier uh, through natural means. And she's a, just a beautiful, beautiful woman with a wonderful spirit. And she does these uh, these seminars. She hosts them. Uh, technically, I guess she uh, she she leads them, but they're generally hosted uh, at uh, a couple of different areas, uh, facilities, including Vitality, Nutrition, and Bountiful. And this one on December 1st is one of those. We're going to have it at Vitality. It'll go from 6 to 8. And I promise you the $20 that you give to Corbin's Academy will be worth it'll, – it'll be worth every penny and more. And know that that $20 is not going to me. It's not a business thing. This is This is us trying to help people that need to be helped and helping Corbin's Academy provide Christmas for a few families this Christmas season. So that's December 1st. If you go to corbinsacademy.com, that's C-O-R-B-Y-N-S, academy.com, you can sign up for the Peaceful Harbor Workshop for 20 bucks. It is going to fill up, so make sure you get in there. Bring your friends and family. Uh, We have room for about 30 people, and I'm pretty confident we're going to be at capacity. We have a lot of people interested in coming to this. So I'd love to have you there. And love to meet you and uh, talk to you about these wonderful lifestyle things that we can do to help with our stress and anxiety and depression and these kind of things. And uh, yeah, that's that's basically what's going to happen that day, December 1st. So I need, I need to cut to a break. I've been rambling here a little bit. I apologize for that. When I come back, I'm going to talk about this concept of psychobiotics. I talked about it in some detail Um, But uh, largely, I spent time talking about prevention of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and things like that, which super critical and important to me because I have a family history that's a little frightening in those areas. But I want to talk about them specifically for depression because I personally believe, and this is my belief, and and it is backed by some scientific research that I've done. But the research is pretty thin, I'll be honest with you. There's not a ton of research on probiotics as psychobiotics, but there are you know, maybe a dozen or 15 papers that I've read so far, there are more being produced all the time that specifically show that these things are probably more effective for depression than antidepressants are. In fact, if you were to come to see me at Vitality Nutrition and you said, I have depression, what do you recommend? 
while I can't prescribe anything for you because I'm not a doctor, I would say there are a few things that uh, most of us are deficient in and need work with that if you are deficient in can lead to depressive symptoms, and that would be magnesium and omega-3 that I talked about, and also probiotics, specifically certain probiotics. So when I come back, we're going to talk about that in some detail for uh, the, the rest of the show. We'll have about 12 minutes, and that'll be enough to go through a couple of things that I want to talk about that are studies and help you understand what you can do from a probiotic standpoint to solve uh, some of your concerns with your health. We'll discuss that when I return. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blog or online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is we don't just sell supplements. We consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email, info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. All righty, welcome back to Vitality Radio and the Vitality Radio Podcast. I'm your host. Each and every week, I'm Jared St. Clair. We're talking about depression. We're talking about what you can do naturally to fight depression. Episode or part one of this episode was episode 172. And so you can go back and listen to that if you want to understand why antidepressants are frowned upon by me anyway, in, in, and by a lot of other people, including a lot of medical researchers that are saying, I think we're barking up the wrong tree here. And I would agree with that. So we're going to go into uh, some details about psychobiotics, probiotics that specifically are good for depression, anxiety, and these types of things here in just a second. Everything you hear on Vitality Radio, you can ask questions about at Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful at 107 South 500 West. Call us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662 if you have any questions. And even if you're not near Bountiful, we'll take care of you over the phone happily. And soon, and by soon, I mean about three months because we're doing a big build, we'll have a very robust website where you can uh, interact with us as well. Very excited about that. Okay, so let's talk about this psychobiotic thing. Remember, I did a deep dive on psychobiotics on episode 164 and 166, so feel free to thumb back there and, and uh, listen to those. But let me tell you about something I'm, I'm, I couldn't be more excited about, and... <laughs> It's the culmination of a lot of time 
uh, and uh, a lot of research and a lot of talking to experts and looking at the studies, but I finally have it. It's a product that is called Precision Probiotic Vital Spores. Precision Probiotic is is kind of a brand that uh, I put together a few years ago for my probiotics uh, that we sell at Vitality Nutrition. We sell a bunch of probiotics, uh, some really fantastic ones. And and up until now, I didn't have a spore-based probiotic in my brand, but I do now. It's called Vital Spores. And this product is really, really unique. It's about twice the strength of the other spore-forming probiotics that are out there right now. And it also contains an additional yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii. Now, Saccharomyces boulardii is mostly known as quite possibly the best remedy for C. diff, that uh, hospital gut infection that some people get, C. diff, which can kill you. And Saccharomyces boulardii has phenomenal research on that specifically. But Saccharomyces boulardii has a bunch of other really good research and some excellent evidence as to what it can do for gut health. It's really a powerhouse. So this Vital Spores formula has the what I consider to be the three most important spore-forming probiotics, Bacillus coagulans, Bacillus subtilis, and Bacillus clausi, as well as Saccharomyces boulardii. And I want to go through a couple of the research bits that have been done specific to depression and anxiety with these probiotics. Bacillus coagulans, MTCC5856, which is the exact form that we have in the Vital Spores product, showed robust efficacy for the treatment of patients experiencing irritable bowel symptoms and major depressive disorder. So people with depression and IBS. The improvement in depression and IBS symptoms was statistically significant and clinically, clinically meaningful. These findings support bacillus coagulans as an important new treatment option for major depressive disorder in IBS patients. So that's a little bit of research there. Bacillus subtilis, another one of the main ingredients, in fact, the the biggest ingredient in the formula, has been studied in pigs for its ability to produce the serotonin precursor known as tryptophan. Gut microbe-derived tryptophan is directly correlated to serotonin production in the brain since it can pass the blood-brain barrier. Now, this is important to understand. I don't believe personally, and a lot of researchers don't believe that serotonin is the cause, low serotonin is the cause of depression. In fact, I think most psychologists would agree that depression is caused by life. You know, life circumstances, things like that can make us depressed. The question is, why don't some people bounce back so easily? And we'll discuss that in some detail at the Peaceful Harbor Workshop for sure. Talk about the neurology behind that. You'll learn some really cool things. But the question when it comes to the gut and serotonin is very interesting because we know that serotonin is related to depression and low serotonin levels are related to depression. And some people wonder if it's, you know, kind of a chicken or the egg thing. Is it low serotonin that creates the depressive feelings or is it depression that creates the low serotonin? So it's a good thing to support the serotonin. But what I love about Bacillus subtilis is that it supports it very effectively by increasing tryptophan in the body which is as safe a way as you can increase serotonin as there possibly is. So really, really interesting stuff. Results in a recent animal study involving chickens confirmed that the use of 
Bacillus subtilis supplementation reduces aggressive behavior in hens and increases serotonin levels. Researchers highlight that although this is not a human critical, sorry, clinical trial, the outcome is promising considering that neural circuitry for aggression and and social behavior appear to be evolutionary conserved across the vertebrates. So basically, if it happens in chickens when it comes to the neural research, it probably is happening in humans as well. And as I said, some of this research is really new when it comes to these probiotics as psychobiotics, and some of it has only been done in animals so far. But so far, what's interesting is that all of the research that's been done is incredibly promising. And we know that these probiotics have all kinds of other benefits. They're great for the gut itself, the biome, the immune system, which is all the rage right now, talking about people's immune systems. And so many other things. So kind of worst case scenario, experimenting with probiotics and these spore forming probiotics and vital spores and products like it, you're going to probably improve your health, if not your mental health. I dare say that I anticipate an improvement in mental health as well, though, because the evidence is just it's too clear for me already that the gut and the brain are best friends. And they have to work together. And if your gut's not working, your brain's not working, or at least not as efficiently as it could. So let's read a little bit more about that. Disruptions in the gut barrier are also thought to have negative consequences on mental health. That would be like leaky gut, okay? The gut barrier of the large intestine protects the body against the invasion of pathogens and dangerous molecules, such as LPS, that's lipopolysaccharide. When the protective lining is damaged due to stress, poor diet, antibiotics, overuse of pharmaceuticals, and other factors, LPS can leak into the bloodstream. This condition is known as leaky gut syndrome. If LPS crosses the blood-brain barrier, it can injure areas of the brain that affect mood and cause neuroinflammation. Leaky gut syndrome has recently been proposed as a significant contributor to the onset of depression. You see how that all plays in there? In fact, recent evidence shows that administration of LPS when given to mice induces depressive-like symptoms. According to multiple recent studies, administration of Bacillus subtilis along with a blend of Bacillus coagulans, Bacillus indicus, Bacillus uh, lichenformis, and Bacillus clausii can repair the gut barrier and significantly reduce levels of LPS leaching into the bloodstream. In fact, a recent human trial found that 30-day supplementation of a blend of bacillus spores results uh, induced endotoxemia and reduced LPS levels by up to 43%. So that marker that actually created depression in mice is alleviated by 43% in just 30 days with spore-forming probiotics, according to the research. That's impressive. Bacillus spore supplementation is a novel therapeutic strategy to improve mood disorders. And while many bacillus strains can produce SCFAs and reduce inflammation, they also boost other commensal gut populations that have anti-inflammatory capabilities. So there's all kinds of awesome right there. The probiotics reduce inflammation in the gut, help to seal things up and tighten things up so that you're not getting LPS and other pathogenic things leaking into the blood, causing autoimmune issues, causing mental health issues. That's where the probiotics come in. On top of where the probiotics come in, the omega, or they also do antibiotic, or sorry, anti 
inflammatory benefit, as does omega-3. Omega-3 is a major anti-inflammatory. And so if you can calm the nervous system with magnesium, reduce the inflammation in the brain and throughout the body with omega-3s, and reduce the inflammation in the gut with omega-3s and probiotics, then you are really looking at addressing more of root cause stuff when it comes to depression as opposed to just trying to throw a Band-Aid on it with a pharmaceutical. So there's some really, really excellent ways that you can do this. I want to remind you before I tune out for this episode that I am not your doctor. I am not anybody's doctor. I don't even have any little initials past my name. It's just Jared St. Clair. All of the research that I share with you on Vitality Radio, I believe to be valid research. Much of it, most of it, comes from the CDC's own uh, PubMed uh, website and is excellent, double-blind, placebo-controlled, great research. I always make sure you know if it's on animals or humans and if the study was a big one or a small one and so on and so forth, because I want to make sure I'm giving you the best information that I can, and I'm not trying to sugarcoat any of what I'm trying to tell you. But I am not your doctor, and as that is the case, I don't diagnose or prescribe, and nothing that I talk to you about on Vitality Radio is designed to replace the advice of your healthcare practitioner. So make sure that you uh, do your own research, that you discuss with people who know what they're talking about with health and nutrition, what you ought to be doing for yourself. But my recommendations are that we look at the deficiencies that we have in probiotics, in omega-3s, and in magnesium when we're looking to do something supplementally for depression, anxiety, and things like that. And that also applies to ODD and ADD and these kind of things as well. They, They all are kind of in the same boat, although they have different symptomology. And so that's how I, or what I recommend, but also those lifestyle things. And if you want to learn the lifestyle things and really understand that you can break the cycle, you can break the cycle of depression for yourself. And I believe that 100%. People who are quote unquote depressed are dealing with symptoms of depression. I do not believe that any of you who are dealing with that are broken and can't be fixed. I just believe that that is an absolute lie. And so you can learn things that can get you out of that place that you're in and that you've been, even if you've been there for 20 or 30 years. And those are the types of things that we teach at the Peaceful Harbor workshop, which will be December 1st at Vitality Nutrition. Go to corbinsacademy.com. And if you have questions, call us 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Thank you so much for listening to me. Remember to check out my other episodes on the podcast, the podcast app of your choice or at vitalityradio.com. And if you have any questions, call us at Vitality Nutrition, 801-292-6662. My name is Jared St. Clair, and this has been another episode of Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham, with very limited help from Jared. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. 
Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.